This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to the State of Recruiting, a podcast featuring Mike Roach, Horns 24-7 sports recruiting analyst and Texas expert. Mike, how you doing, bud? I'm good, Bobby. How are you? Uh, did you, si- you survive sunning, uh, signing day? Yeah, I slept in a little today. Uh, dropped my uh, behind-the-scenes piece on the Texas class. Wrote all that last night and uh, have two parts coming out today as we're recording this on Thursday. So um, kind of l- going to let our readers feast on that and, and take it easy a little bit today. Good for you. Um, before we get going into kind of uh, evaluating the class as a whole, uh, recap just briefly what happened in the last 24, 36 hours for Texas. Um you know, yesterday was was kind of how we saw it as we as we came down the to the end. We talked about uh, you know them maybe having a chance for all four guys they ran on, but you know as it came down to the last forty eight hours, it started to definitely look like they were probably going to go two for four with the guys we thought they would go uh, with, and that's exactly how it shook out. They landed Calvante Dixon as we talked about yesterday, um, the night before signing day. Uh, missed out on Ennis Rakestraw and Prince Uma Milan, and then the you know the worst kept secret in in recruiting was that Alfred Collins was was going to be at Texas. So, uh, and Bobby, I don't know if you saw the video or, or any of our coverage from it, but one of the more unique, I guess, uh, uh, announcement ways that that Alfred did it, it was kind of like a a gender reveal party where he popped a balloon that had burnt orange uh, baby powder inside of it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> It takes all kinds these days, Mike. <laughs> I'm more in, I'm more interested in the fact that Alfred's 6'5", 285 and can play football <laughs> than, no, than, his, just, than his theatric techniques, you know. <laughs> you know what? I, I, here's what I appreciate about it. Like, Cedar Creek is has never had a, a right. really a big-name athlete. They I don't know when the next time they will, other than they do have a, a really good basketball player there, but – they went all out to make sure that the whole school and the whole, basically the whole community could celebrate that. And I, and I understand that part of it. And I know throughout your time, you've seen some weird, probably, uh, reveals or, or announcements, but uh, that one was, was a new one for me. Yeah, no, that's good. I mean, it, it's it's one of those things where the, these guys aren't paid actors, but, you know, once a lifetime, why not? And so uh, right. more power to them. I don't. I have a problem when they tease things or uh, overplay it, but you know, just revealing your choice I, it, with five hats on it on the table—that's fine. Just don't feign like you're going to one hat and pick another. You know, just choose it and go for them there. All right, uh, Mike. Uh, I think that uh, what I'd like to do today with you um, is also 
go down. I, I wrote a piece this morning uh, for the board that discussed grading the strengths and weaknesses and whether or not Texas filled the need at each position um, in recruiting. And I wanted to get – I gave my take, but I want to hear your take on it, um, and uh, then we can go from there. I want to start with what I think we both agree is a excellent recruiting class at quarterback for the Longhorns. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you graded it an A+. I don't know how you can give it anything but an A+. It's not often you can get two guys in the top 100 of the country, the top two quarterbacks in the state of Texas, um, Hudson Card, who put up you know huge numbers as a passer, Jaquinta Jackson, who has you know, just a freakish ability on the field as a, as a guy that can take over a game. And um, I, I think for Texas, you kind of nailed it in your synopsis of it, but, you know, being able to get a guy like Jackson, who is such a force on the field, but be able to cover your 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 back with a accomplished passer like Hudson Card, I think that's a perfect combination to put together a quarterback class. I would also give it an A plus. Yeah, I I just my my take on that is you take one and you end up with Gerard Hurd, right, or Tyrone Swoops. Um, they're these developmental passer guys that are excellent runners. Well, guess what? All of a sudden, you end up with no quarterback. And uh, not that Casey Thompson is a, only a runner or that Jaquindon Jackson is only a runner, but look at Rashawn Johnson. They've already moved him to running back, and it seems to be working out for him. And all, all indications were it wasn't working out necessarily. Uh, the early returns at quarterback weren't great for him at Texas. So – uh, sometimes it just happens like that. And so if Jackson does indeed move to another position, I, I think that makes it uh, easier for Texas to, to go forward without having to all of a sudden scramble for a quarterback. Let's move on to running back where I'm interested to hear your take um, strictly because Texas only signed one. Granted, it's the best running back in the country, so I'm not I'm – not, I just worry that Texas clearly wanted to, clearly, and the numbers suggest they need to, but they didn't get them. So where, where do you come out on this, Mike? I think, um, you know, you had an A-. minus. If you have B. John Robinson in your signing class, you can't have anything lower than an A-, minus. I don't think. Um, I would probably just go with a, with a solid A. Um, I do know that they wanted another running back, but – um, you know, they, could, they couldn't get a guy that they felt fit them um, late in the cycle. I think for them, a guy like Ty Jordan or Cavantre Bradford was much more of a slot back option that could, yes, spend some time in the backfield, but also play some slot. And that was more where they were looking for him as. So I don't know whether to apply that to running back or receiver, but um, – I think I would probably just give it a solid A and say that, you know, getting Bijan Robinson away from Ohio State in the cycle where Ohio State basically got everybody they wanted, uh, that's enough for a, for a bump up to just a solid A for me. I gotcha. I, I, I guess, does this mean they then go for two this coming year? Yeah, I would think so. And I would think that they, they stay pretty fluid. But if you look at the numbers now, you know, with having Keontae Ingram, Rashawn Johnson – and it'd be John Robinson. That's not a bad threesome, not to mention Danny Young, 
um, mixed in there, doing whatever he can, you know, as the fourth guy. Um, I think that they're, they're a lot more talented. Sure, they would have probably liked another guy, but I think that other guy, good chance he might have redshirted. So um, I think that if you can get two really good ones in the next class, you might be able to offset that. Gotcha. Okay, so look for two this year possibly. The, the next group are the receivers group, which I thought was okay. I, 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 I felt like – I've mentioned this to you before. I really like Kelvante Dixon. I know that, that, that some people aren't as high on him. I also know that, you know, he's, he's not necessarily your prototypical outside receiver given that he's six foot. So um, what are your thoughts on that group as a whole, Mike? I would probably – you know, I, it's tough because I'm, I always tend to look at things on the brighter side. And I'm with you. I think that Troy O'Meara, who I look, I was one of the biggest Troy O'Meara critics during most of his recruitment, but he really impressed me when I saw him last uh, fall. I think he can he can be that guy that Texas wants him to be on the outside as a big physical uh, possession guy. I, I think we've talked about how we both believe in, in Calvante Dixon's ability to attack deep from, from the outside. To me, the X factor of this class is Dejon Harrison. Is he going to be just another guy, or is that insane quickness that he shows on film going to be a difference maker? I think if it were me, I'd probably give him a, a C plus, B minus, but depending on how Harrison you know, really pans out or how they use him, I think could go up you know, maybe a grade. Yeah, see, I think my, my piece on Harrison is I like his quickness. I don't think it's freaky. Like, I don't think it's not, – not to be – uh, pick nits, but I don't think it's Jalen Waddle. I don't think no. I don't think it's Devin A. Chain even, and so um, or Devon A. Chain, however you say his his name. I and that gives me pause because when you're not those guys, you're, what is your ceiling really at that position? Given given your uh, your ability, so uh, I I hear you, and I don't I don't have a problem with. Any of those grades, because I think that, as I wrote in the article, I think time will tell on that, right? I mean, um, if Troy O'Meara, who's already on campus, and and what I've heard is that he's he is a he's got some talent, but he absolutely has to improve in the strength category. My question is, as Texas went on, on him, is one step further. Is Texas last year took Marcus Washington and uh, Kennedy Lewis as those outside guys? Both have better speed than Omir, right? Um, right? And so how does he circle back into this? I, I feel like he was supposed to be more Colin Johnson-ish slash Malcolm Epps. And I, and I, right. just, I just don't know um, where uh, Mike Yursich uses him vis-a-vis what a Tim Beck, Tom Herman type style was going to do. So that's, that's neither yeah. here nor there. Um, I mean, yeah, not to bog too much down into that scheme stuff, but, like, I, I don't know. I think that if you pigeonhole him as a guy that's Colin Johnson who only lines up on one side of the field and runs one kind of route, then, yeah, you kind of limit him. But I think if you look at him for what he is and say he can do that, but he can also line up and be a flex guy on the inside um, and, and, you know, kind of mismatch with people, just be creative in your usage of him, and I think you get a lot more out of him. Yeah, well, I mean, I think that's with, with every player, right? So. Right. Um, all right, next guy, and, and this is uh, this one is going to be interesting to see how you see it. Tight end, fullback slash H back. They went with a young man out of Mansfield Timberview, um, or is it Timber Creek? I can't remember. But um, yeah, 
uh, Jaden Hullaby, who I like as a player. He goes 6'2", 205, played quarterback there. Uh, was at Bishop Dunn before this year. And I just think I watch his film and I see a guy that runs through a lot of contact, not afraid of, of contact, clearly a smart, intelligent player, not a lot of wasted movement. But what do you think of that overall, given what Texas tried to do at the position? Right. I would, if you're asking me to, to grade Jaden Holaby as an H-back, I like your grade of a B. I think that I, even I could go up a little. I like his fit. I like his versatility. I like maybe what he could do in that Texas offense. Again, it's going to depend on how creative they get with him and how well they use him. If I'm grading the position overall, though, I would probably knock it down to a C. I just think, you know, they didn't get – I think Jaden Holby paired with a traditional, more traditional type of guy, um, especially as important as tight end is supposedly to this offense. Um, I think him paired with a more traditional type of guy would have been a, a stronger grade, but they really just didn't go after those types of guys this year. and. It seemed to be happy with Holby. But if Holby gets moved at the next level, if he's moved over to defense, for instance, or, or you know, he spends a lot of time in the backfield as, as not an H-back, what if they have to, you know, because of numbers playing at running back, then all of a sudden you really didn't get anything at that position. So I'd almost give it an incomplete more than anything. Well, th- that's, a, that's a good question. The only other tight end I really know they tried on was the kid from Groover that ended up at uh, OU, Jalen Conyers, right? I mean, who else did right. they really go after? Nobody else, really. Which was, I, I maybe they maybe they love their tight end numbers on campus, but I, I don't know. I thought this was maybe a year to go to go get a guy. They had a couple of options in state they could have gone after late, and they didn't. And and Texas also had turnover at the position too, right? Yep. And so yep. I think uh, from a coaching perspective, so maybe that that played a role. But uh, uh, we we shall see. I think it bodes well for uh, Jared Wiley's future, and also. Potentially, Braden Lebrox, if if he if he is uh, uh, progressing as as hope. So, um, all right, let's go to offensive line. And I, I've got to admit, Mike, this was probably the one that gave me the most consternation out of every single every single one, because I think all of them are so far away from actually helping the Longhorns. Like I think I don't think I don't see a single one of them that's ready to play in year two. For Texas, given given Texas's um, given their own ability, one and two, given their uh, stage of development, um, and so I'd love to hear your take on all on that offensive line group. Yeah, I I would probably give them a B, a B plus B. I really like the high floor aspect of of that group. I think that. Yeah, you're right. There's nothing spectacular. There's no standout guy, but I think all four of them have a chance to be very, very good contributors by the time they're done. And, you know, you mentioned, I, I thought it was a, a good point. You mentioned that the, the development of Jalen Garth would be key to watch. And that's really the swing in this thing. If, if Jalen Garth, who hasn't really played in a year and a half, develops to what we thought he could be or think he could be, then he could really elevate what this class's ceiling is. But, um, I, I like the high floor nature of it. I would disagree with you. I would say that I could see Andre Carrick having a chance after a year in the strength program to play interior. Um, I could see Logan Parr there as well. Um, you know, the, Lo, Logan Parr and, and, uh, and Majors both in early, so those guys are going to get 
a lot of time in the weight room. I, I'm curious to see how their bodies shake out after the spring, but those guys are all highly intelligent guys. I think Logan Parr is, I, I mean, I'm a lot higher, I think, on Logan Parr than just about anybody in the world. Maybe that makes me wrong, but sometimes I like being on an island there. And um, and I, I don't know, I could see it from Carrick and Logan Parr. Yeah, I, I thought, I, I mentioned this in that article, and I, I see what you're saying because I went back and watched those guys yesterday. Um, I I think Logan Parr has the highest floor of all of those guys. So I see him eventually playing no matter what. Um, you, you, does that make sense to you? I, I actually right. think that he's going to be a factor somewhere down the line. Now, he may be second team as a sophomore or junior, but I, I, I just feel like that. Ma- Majors has the, has potential to be a starting center long term. Um, Garth, I think, is the really the only true tackle. Uh, and given that there's only one of them, they – they really his development is key, and then Carrick. I, I just I think you and I disagree a little on him. I I think that's where I come out. And so, like I said, the grading of the offensive line for me out of all of this, Mike, um, was the most difficult. And it, to be fair, it was also the most of any one position that they took uh, with with, right. with four signees. All right, slipping on over to defensive line, uh, three guys, two of them blue chippers. Uh, as blue as blue can get, uh, Alfred Collins and Vernon Broughton. And then a third one that not many people knew a bunch about before he committed the Longhorns, and that's Sawyer Gorham Welch out of Longview. What what did you think of that defensive line class as a whole? I think that when you look at past years and what they've had to put together in that group, this was a home run just getting Collins and, and Broughton. I I agree with you. I would probably, I think he nailed the grade. I would probably have loved a traditional, especially if they knew that they were eventually going to be in a four-man front, a traditional 6-4 defensive end that could rush the passer. Um, you know, that would have probably pushed that grade up for me. But getting those two monsters that can be so versatile and move all over the all over the you know field, and um, I think that, that you've got to go high there. And I really like, the, the third supplemental part of, of Sawyer Gorham Welch, who, again, lower ceiling, but I think a higher floor type of guy um, that's going to be able to get in there and play defensive tackle. And, um, yeah, he may not win all conference or, or anything, but he's going to be a guy that contributes down the road. Any chance he could move to offense? Does he have that kind of body type? I mean, I know that, that several schools talk to him about playing offensive guard. Um at some point, but, you know, I think he, he wanted to stay at defensive line, but you never know, you know, down the line. Right. I I kind of felt like he might be a tweener type on defense and mm-hmm. and, and really might fit on offense, but uh, Texas clearly took him as a defensive lineman. And, uh, you know, I think that I, I'm a firm believer in, in numbers on the defensive line and letting them develop at, at some point. You have to take these developmental pros, prospects or else you're going to end up one day where you're – playing true freshmen that just aren't ready to compete at the line of scrimmage. So I think that's uh, probably smart. All right. Um, and what, what grade would you give it and which one, what did I give it again? I think you gave it an A minus and I would agree with that. I'd also give it an A minus. Okay. All right. Linebacker, the two guys, Prince Dorba and uh, uh, Jalen Ford. I mentioned this. I mean, I was looking at their numbers today. One's like six, two and a half, two Oh eight. The other one's six, two, two Oh five. So, pretty similar uh, physically. 
Right. I you gave it a B plus. I'd probably go lower. I'd probably give it a B minus or even a C. I just I like the I like both guys a lot, but I think they could have got a lot more out of that position, especially from a need perspective. And um, you know, when you Who'd they miss? Oh, no, no, that's fair. Who'd they miss on, Mike? Um, Josh White from Psych Creek, I think, was a guy, and we'll talk about this in my behind-the-scenes piece, that was an easily gettable guy for them that they just didn't get. And I think that he was probably the best interior linebacker, him or Drew Sanders, depending on how you look at Drew Sanders, in the state of Texas. And, um, you know, I think that they needed one more guy, um, another guy that could maybe play inside, a um, guy with some size who could run. Um, you know, there were some – some prospects we identified late in the cycle, but it looks like, you know, they were happy with, with taking two. But um, it's it's all going to depend on really how they play Dorva uh, going into the future. You know, we've always seen him as kind of an edge guy, but, um, you know, in a four-man front, maybe he's, you know, an outside guy that blitzes occasionally. Uh, you know, it just kind of depends, but I, I still think they needed a third guy in that group. So I thought Dorba, out of everybody in the state, no matter his size, I thought he was the most natural pass rusher in the state. Period. End of story. Now, he's also, like you said, 6'2", 205. So um, that's, not, that's probably not big enough. I mean, Von Miller out of high school, to give you an – I think he was 6'1", six foot, six foot uh, 225. I don't see that happening with Dorba. You know what I mean? Um, and so I, I just – I like – I think they got a starter at outside linebacker. I don't know that they found an inside linebacker. Someone that can stop the run, as you mentioned, you mentioned the perfect name, perfect name for me, and and Josh White, uh, who's that tackle to tackle guy that can also get outside. Makes you know what did Josh White have like seventeen or eighteen tackles a game as a senior? Yeah, yeah, he was all over the field. Yeah, exactly. So, all right, I understand where you're at, and and I don't disagree with you. Uh, cornerback, Texas only took one true corner in the class, and that's Keaton Crawford out of John Tyler. Again, I, I'm with you on the grade. You have a C. I'd probably give a C, C, C plus somewhere around there. I love the player. The one guy they got, I absolutely love, and I've talked about that all year. I think they made a, a phenomenal early eval and got maybe the best cover corner in the state of Texas, certainly in the argument. And um, but they only got one, Bobby. And uh, they do have a lot of numbers in in that room. But you know, I, I in the Big Twelve, man, I feel like you almost got to be infusing at least two corners and two safeties each year. Um, just just from a number standpoint, from a how many guys you play on the field standpoint, and really just to make sure you don't have any holes in your development. So, uh, yeah, I would I would probably stick with a, a C or so. On that. So here, here's my take, okay? And I'm, I, I feel similar. I gave a C because I think Crawford's a future starter at some point. The, the, the issue that you're bringing up as far as total numbers – you really have three corners on the field at a time if you really want to get down to it um, in most typical uh, Big 12 defenses because the slot, the guy that covers the slot, is typically really a corner, right? Um, at least if he's, you know, excellent. And I think, I think that's the issue is, you know, there's no Deshaun Jameson in this class where, okay, he can be a corner or a nickel. Um, and I, I find that to be probably the biggest miss. And they went after a number of other guys, including Ennis Rakestraw late, and they just came up late on him. But uh, I actually I actually think you need to take two or three corners every year if you're playing in the Big 12 simply because of the, the need uh, for a true nickel in that 
base defense um, that you're going to run. Absolutely. Um, let's go to safety, where I think we're going to disagree, um, mm-hmm. but, um, and that's fine. Uh, but the two safeties are Xavier Alford out of uh, Pearland Shadow Creek and uh, Jaron Thompson out of Lufkin. I gave the grade, I think, a C-plus. Is that right? I, I think yes. I did. Yeah. And I, my reasoning, and then I want to pitch it over to you, my reasoning was I think both are more strong safety-ish types than they are free safeties. I don't think – I think, again, in the, the Big 12, I think you need – a fast free safety, um, like really fast, like four four ish, uh, because otherwise you're going to get beat over the top, and you're not going to have uh, enough help in the on the backside. And so, I out of the two, I only see one eventually being the starter. Um, maybe I'm wrong, and one of them ends up playing down as a rover type at times. But that's kind of my feeling on it. Do you see those players differently, or do you just have a different take overall? I see a lot of positional versatility with both of them, actually, and I think that's – it's funny that you said this is where we're going to disagree because when I read the article, that was the one part where I was like, I really disagree with this. Um, I think that Xavier Alford is a guy that can play just about any safety spot out there. You know, he he ran a 4-5-5 verified time last spring. It's not hard to think he gets faster in the strength program. Um, you know, I, I could see him as a nickel, but really, like, his intelligence for the game, I love him playing free safety, playing deep, and being able to line up and, and kind of put everybody in the right position. And then Jared Thompson is a guy that I think could probably play strong or nickel, um, you know, depending on, on how they want to use him. And that's, that's really the hard part was I kind of had a good idea of how the old staff – saw those positions i don't have a great idea of how chris ash sees those positions so um really it's you know trying to fit it into that i don't know but i think there's a lot of versatility between those two guys especially with alfred who i think could play you know all three positions you think i, I made a, a somewhat somewhat of a comparison between caden stearns and Xavier alford from a mental aspect of the game do you do you agree with that at all Absolutely, and I'd, I'd throw Jaron Thompson in there as well. Like the, both those guys are instinctive as, as can be, um, but you know, and I haven't I haven't had an opportunity. Jaron Thompson's the kid I probably know least in the class, just because he's kind of quiet, and I he was one I just didn't get to get out and see in game much this year or anything. But um, Xavier and Alfred, I've had an opportunity to talk with a ton, and uh, just understanding his mental approach to the game and knowing Caden the way I did during his recruitment. Yeah, I see a lot of similarities there. Okay. And so taking all those grades into consideration, and I know what did Texas finish ninth in the country with this recruiting class uh, and the composite. So what, what are your thoughts in the 24 seven sports composite? What are your thoughts on the actual overall grade of this class, Mike? If I had to give it an overall grade, um, I would probably land somewhere around a B plus. I think that they addressed a lot of needs, um, but I think that they left some meat on the bone as well. Um, and I think that as much as this class can be about, you know, we signed these great position groups, it can also be about we had a lot of missed opportunities. And so I think that that, that would put it somewhere around a B plus for me. Yeah, I, I'm going to go a little bit lower. I think it's a B, even though it's a top 10 class, I think – as good as as good as the quarterback was, and as good as the the elite running back is, I think they they needed at least one more corner. I think they may have missed on a 
they needed more uh, eliteness, I guess, at the offensive lineman. Uh, I think they needed another big-time receiver and uh, or could have used another big-time receiver that was ready to play early. And then also um, I think they, they didn't get that outside rush guy, 6'3", 6'4", 240, 250 guy. So that right. that's my – that's my take on it. At the same time, there are some bright spots which we've, which we've also highlighted. And uh, you know, Alfred Collins uh, is a can't miss guy in my opinion. So that's how it ended up yesterday for the Longhorns, and and it ended up the 2020 recruiting. But Mike, uh, there is some more recruiting to go. We should mention that Texas might be looking at, at graduate transfers at at which particular positions again. Uh, wide receiver, linebacker, and offensive line, I think, is where you'd see that. Okay. Any particular names right now other than the young man out of uh, Michigan that apparently has been linked to Texas some? Yeah, Tariq Black is the name of the, the receiver from Michigan. Um, there was a the Stanford offensive lineman, Bobby, that you and I talked about, but he's already gone off the board. Yeah, he went to um, Duke, I think. Yeah, yeah, so I haven't heard any names outside of that, but that's something we'll really start to dig in on. Um, you know, post my vacation. Yeah. Have you heard of any late Juco evals like Jawan Mitchell yet or? No, nothing yet. Those kind of came out of nowhere last year. I mean, we had a good idea on Willie Tyler, um, but, but Jawan Mitchell was later, much later in the year. So I think that they're going to kind of see where the dust clears and, and who, who got, who signed where and what's left and then maybe start looking into guys. Gotcha. Well, Mike, I appreciate it. That, that completes, uh, I guess, year one of this, this podcast. Um, uh, we started, I guess, in late August and, and uh, have wrapped it up here with uh, Signing Day 2020. Uh, thanks for listening to the State of Recruiting. Uh, I'm Bobby Burton. Our uh, featured analyst is Mike Roach of Horns 24-7. Thank you for listening. Please, you can subscribe at any, uh, any place that you can find podcasts. And uh, from me and Mike, hook them. Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend, or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.